Hello and welcome to Starting Over with Shannon. This is a podcast about fresh starts, new chapters and embracing change and challenge to become a better version of ourselves and create a better world around us. I'm your host Shannon Jenkins and every week I'll be bringing you a different Starting Over story with tips on how to conquer life's difficulties to find greater joy, meaning and purpose. Hey everyone, our guest on the show today is Joseph Wynn, who, as you will hear, is not a big fan of a fancy introduction. In fact, he specifically requested that instead of me giving the typical blurb on his professional endeavors, from writing to coaching to speaking, he wanted me to tell you what made me feel inspired to have him on the podcast and what moved me the most through reading his self-development and spirituality book titled, Don't Believe Everything You Think, Why Your Thinking is the Beginning and End of Suffering. For those of you who have followed this podcast or my content on social media for some time, you'll know that this is a topic I am passionate about and entirely convinced is central to our joy, peace and even success in life, which I say with no ounce of exaggeration. It is also a topic that has been much requested as even among those of us who do acknowledge and truly know that thinking is a significant source of suffering in our lives, we don't know how to stop it, quite frankly, and much less make space for this thing called intuition. So in the usual format, in the first part of the show, we hear about Joseph's own starting over story. His experience as a good Catholic boy who, quote unquote, always tried to be a good person, be of service to others and obey his parents who were immigrants to the USA from Vietnam. But he was regularly feeling lost, empty and never enough. But as Joseph goes on to say, this led him onto a path of spiritual awakening and self-development where he stopped looking externally for answers and looked internally instead, something he encourages us all to do. In the next part of the episode, we turn to the themes of his book. So that includes things like how thinking causes our suffering, what is the difference between thinking and thoughts, and how we can stop thinking and be guided by our intuition. I hope you all enjoy the episode. And if you do, please share it with somebody who you think would be interested. And I'd love it if you gave me a quick review wherever you are listening to this. I really do love reading your feedback. But with no further ado, here is my conversation with Joseph. Joseph, thank you so much for joining me today for another episode of Starting Over with Shannon. I am thrilled to have you. I just want to say in the first instance, I absolutely love your book, which I finished reading this morning before doing this interview. And it is amazing. I'm going to go more into that afterwards, but absolutely thrilled you're here. So thank you very much. Thank you so much for having me, Shannon. I really appreciate it. I really enjoyed the work that you do and just the love and light that you're putting out there into the world. So it's it's uh, an honor to, to collaborate with you, really. Thank you, that's very, very kind. In the first instance, one of the things that stood out to me in your book was the way in which you laid out your chapters because they 
seemed to answer the questions that I was thinking as I was going along. And it's funny because at one point you actually addressed that and you, and you said, you might be wondering why I'm doing this because like you, I had these questions too. And I was like, ah, oh, that was good. <laughs> so we're going to go into a discussion on particularly how we can stop thinking. Of course, we're going to deal with the why in that too, and how we can listen and follow our intuition and be guided with that in daily practicing in our daily lives. But before we do that, I wanted to start with a little bit about you. So could you tell me in a sort of summary, what is your own personal starting over story? What was an adversity that you faced in your life that took you in a completely different direction and the direction to write your own book, in fact? Yeah. Uh I always find these questions a, a little bit humorous because I don't necessarily enjoy talking about myself. And if you notice in the back of my book, I wrote a short summary outlining the book, but I'm not on it at all. So if you flip on the back of the book, there's literally no picture of me. There's no little bio of me, nothing. And I did that very intentionally. Now, on Amazon, I had to put one there. But I really try to erase what that is, not because I'm ashamed of my past or anything like that, but it comes from a place of it's not about me. And I really wanted the message to be the sole focus instead of me. Uh, that I, I noticed a lot of times when I was reading books in the past that I would almost idolize the person that wrote it and put them on a pedestal and say, oh, I want to be just like them. In the pursuit of that, I lost myself by trying to be them. So I really wanted to avoid that. And that's why I didn't put myself there. Um, and obviously for this, uh, this podcast, I'll go into my backstory. But I always want to preface it with do not... I, I would shy away from trying to compare yourself to my story or saying, oh, he had it too good or he had it so easy or he had it so bad or worse than me there's always someone someone else's story that could be compared to and it could be good or bad but in that comparison is where our suffering perpetuates so when i tell the story the sole purpose is to help you look within yourself and not look at me or my story and say i wish i could do that or oh like if only i could that's not really the point of it the point of it is really to almost model my own journey that I did in terms of looking within for the answer and not looking without, if that makes sense. Yeah, it absolutely does. And it is clear throughout, as I said before, about your chapters and the way in which you organize those, because it's clear that it's following a, while we're not going to say train of thought, because we're going to talk about all the thoughts, it follows this logical sequence that makes sense with the questions that come up for people. And you st do still illustrate the topics and the concepts that you want to elaborate on through parables for example you have a lot of like zen parables and, and little stories that again you don't attach to the particular person in it it's to illustrate really the concept so i love that you mentioned that and it's a very unique approach and one that's i value a lot so good 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 on uh, limiting the ego by the way <laughs> that's that's the whole point right because if i'm telling my story and it's like oh my story oh i had it so bad and like i i lost everything and it, it only perpetuates other people's egos too because they cling on to that story and say oh yeah i just need to 
power through it, persevere through it, and like build up my self-confidence, which is an illusion too. And so to really eradicate all of that, I just bring the, the focus back to it's, it's not really about me. It's not really about the story. It's really about what you feel and, and what resonates with you. It's not me that you're resonating with if you do resonate with the words that I'm saying. It's you resonating with yourself. And that is what I want to point the, the, all of the focus towards. So I can, I'll go into a little bit of the backstory of, of how I, I guess, came to this point in my life. I would say that it starts in my childhood, and I'll kind of zoom past that a little bit by giving a synopsis of it. So growing up, I, I grew up in a very, very Catholic household. My parents were immigrants from Vietnam. My dad escaped by boat, literally on one of those dinghies, to uh, another country, and he was a refugee there for a few years before he can come over to the U.S., my mom was able to fly over, fortunately. So they had a very, very hard life growing up, and they wanted to give me and my brother, uh, which we weren't born yet, but when they met over here in the U.S., they wanted to give us the life that they didn't have or couldn't have because they were in uh, a now communist country. So growing up, there was a lot of pressure to do the right thing, to be a good person, because it was so rooted in that religion. And one of the highest ways to be able to pay respect is to obey your parents. So growing up, I always felt like I had to do the right thing. I felt like I always was trying to be a good role model for them, for other people in my family, because we have probably close to 100 people in our family, and we're kind of around the older age. So a lot of pressure to be good. And that's all I wanted to focus on in my life was just to be a good person. Ironically, I never felt like I was good enough because of that pressure of trying to be a good person. So I really felt like I didn't have a purpose growing up. I felt like I wasn't enough. I didn't have any gifts or talents. Everyone told me that I was smart. I got good grades. I followed the rules. I did everything by the books, quote unquote, mm -hmm. right. But I still felt so painfully empty inside because I didn't know who I was. I couldn't express myself. Every time I was weird, quote unquote, I was slandered for it, criticized, told to be quiet. Don't do that. Don't do this. Follow the rules. Go to college. By your parents? Yeah, by my parents, by cousins, whatever it is. I was always the weird one. Uh, and it wasn't in a good way where it is nowadays. It's, it's a little bit more accepted to be weird and eccentric. But back then, it was I, I really was ostracized by it, uh, especially because I, I was also doing a little bit better than other people in school. And so that that didn't help <laughs> just because I was trying so hard to be that good person. So in, in the pursuit of trying to be that, I lost myself. So I, I would say that's that kind of sums up my childhood pretty well. <laughs> and, you know, I didn't really feel much until I really started to go, I would say, into college. And then that was just magnified tenfold. My parents went into about a million dollars worth of debt after the 08 crash. And I felt that pressure that they were literally not going to be able to pay off the debt by the time that they died. And that's how they would live the rest of their life, just trying to pay off something that they knew they could never, ever pay off. So that's when I started to take it upon myself and learn how to market and learn advertising, essentially, to be able to help my mom's bridal store. And then I had actually decided to leave college because of that 
I, I knew for a fact that if I went to college, I would not be able to help my parents. It would take another four or four or five years and then learn that, but then also be able to just make $35,000, $40,000 after that, barely be able to pay my myself and my family, and then let alone try to help my parents. So, so I you made quit and the good boy was still very much present at that college age then, or the expectations. Oh, yeah, okay. Yeah, of, of trying to be a good person, a good Catholic, a good human being, someone who always listens to their parents, respects them, follows them, uh, listens to what they say. And that was really the first time that I broke away from that perception of what they had of me. That was probably the hardest time of my life because they literally escaped Vietnam, almost died just multiple times to come over here. And they, the only thing they wanted was for their kids to be able to have a college education, which they weren't able to get over there. And then I just said, no. So you can probably imagine how that went down. And that like my mom cried, like my dad was just very, very upset. And it was like that for a while. And then after that, I also decided to not go to church and, and practice the Catholic faith. So that was that pretty much ended their entire perception of their son. And even sometimes to this day, that still really affects them. But I had to find myself by leaving everything behind. And it's not to say that religion is bad by any means. They're all different roads to the same destination. And I just had to take a different path. I knew that. So where was the dark moment for you? You write in your book, it wasn't until my darkest hour that a glimmer of hope came. Can you speak so, to that a little bit? So I would say the darkest hour came a little bit after those two moments of leaving college and leaving the religion. So I started my business. It was a marketing agency and it was about three years later. And I really enjoyed it when I first started, but it started to suck the soul out of me. And I didn't like it anymore. I realized that I was just advertising for companies that only cared about the money. They just wanted to make a ton of cash and then just leave. And that really demoralized me because I really wanted to make an impact. That's the only reason, that was the only thing I was pursuing really in my life was impact, trying to be helpful, doing as much as I possibly could to serve every single person, yet I still felt so empty. And so I felt like I was cursed because I was trying to do everything right. And I felt like I did everything I possibly could to give every single piece of me, but I just kept getting completely squashed, ostracized, completely neglected. No one recognized me. Very few people ever said thanks for anything. Uh, and that was just very, very soul crushing. So that downward spiral happened and I hit rock bottom essentially after those three years because I didn't like what I did anymore. I lost purpose. I lost, I was making great money. I also helped my parents pay off like half their debt, more than half their debt at that time. And I knew that they were going to pay it off way shorter than they had anticipated, yet I still felt incredibly uh, empty. So I realized that money wouldn't give me the happiness. I hit multiple six figures in the business and felt more lost than ever before, even though I accomplished, quote unquote, what success was. And it was then that I realized that success is not what I achieve externally, but how I feel internally about myself. So I tried everything I possibly could to alleviate my suffering. I tried hypnotherapy, Reiki, acupuncture, tons of meditation, different forms of meditation, transcendental, 
just all sorts of things from different i mean that sounds much how i was sort of anticipating you'd be like drugs alcohol (laughs) (laughs) oh no no i went down the spiritual path to try to find i read like eckhart tolle's power of now that like (laughs) broke it a little bit and and helped me see a little bit more uh no drugs fortunately uh thank god and and no no alcohol um that uh, yeah so i'm very glad i didn't do that that could have been a very different path and then I tried a lot of other things too. So just, um, yeah, th- like I said, like those therapies, I even followed Dr. Joe Dispenza and then went to a seven day retreat where we meditated for four to six hours a day. And that was absolute bliss. But by the time I got back, all, just every anxiety came back, just crippling anxiety. I couldn't stop thinking. I still suffered. So I tried all of these different modalities and still had no idea why I was still suffering. So essentially what happened was I gave up trying to find the answer. And when I did that and I just surrendered, I stopped looking for answers externally and started looking within to try to find myself again. And in that moment when I kind of just let go, that was when I stumbled upon Sidney Banks and Michael Neal. And those were the two people that really helped me realize what the root cause of my suffering was. And who are those two people? They're random people. Uh, they're not that famous at all. It, so I don't even know how it happened, but I think I was searching how to coach. And that was the first time I, I started going down that path. And he, Michael Neal had a, a course on coaching. And in there, he taught about the three principles. And that's what I also talk about in the book as well. Um, and it's not really about the three principles that's so mind-blowing it's really the implications of those principles that changed everything for me so it, it, it was then that i realized that essentially thinking was the root cause of my suffering it wasn't what i was thinking the content of it which could be oh my past is terrible or like my parents raised me in this way so i'm this way it wasn't any of that that's just what i'm thinking but it was that i was thinking period it was the the manual act of thinking about my thoughts, which was what was causing my own suffering. Just realized that I could stop thinking about my thoughts. And that's where our the story comes from. That's where the conditioning comes from. That's when we create duality, essentially, is when we start thinking about the thoughts. Thoughts are, I would say, the raw mental energy blocks that come in just out of nowhere. Like, where do thoughts come from? We have no idea. <laughs> just out there from the universe. And they just plop into our minds. They are inherently neutral. And that's what I realized. It is only when we start thinking about those thoughts, which is when we start to create the criticism, the judgments, the conditions to say, this is right, this is wrong, they're right, I'm wrong, or I'm right, they're wrong. All of that happens when we start thinking about our thoughts, which is not necessary. If we allow the thoughts to just come in and pass, that is what peace essentially is. And we don't really have to, to think anymore, really, in that sense. And that's why I talk a lot about intuition after. Mm. But it was in that moment that I realized that we really didn't have to think anymore. And I could let that go. And that's when I finally started to find peace uh, in my life. And what did that look like for you? Before we come into more of the professional work for our listeners to help them with, no doubt, their own struggles with thinking, myself included. But what was the positive outcome for you in terms of your daily life? Could you give me an example of what changed? Yeah. So I always like to tell this story of what 
happened. So like I said before, I went to that Dr. Joe Dispenza meditation retreat for seven whole days in Cancun. Absolute bliss, right? When I'm in the meditation, I am in a different dimension. I am one with everything in the world. The only issue was when I came home and I did that hour-long meditation, it was absolutely amazing. But when I opened my eyes, all of the thinking started to come back. And so that made me very, very frustrated because I did all this work for the hour and I'm like, it only lasts for a few minutes. The peace only lasts for a few minutes when I'm conscious. That makes absolutely no sense. And so I went on a mission to try to find out how can I keep this meditative state while I am conscious and awake going about my day. That was more important to me than going into this five minute meditation and feeling bliss for just those minutes and that's it. I feel like that was pointless because we're out here living life and we can't just try to invest those five minutes and hope that the rest of the day is fine. So then I started to realize that, you know, with that discovery of thinking is the cause of all suffering, when I held that in my mind and when I felt emotional and psychological pain at any moment, I realized that that was the presence of thinking and that the only reason why I'm feeling this pain is because I am thinking and that it's the root cause of suffering. With that awareness, I immediately stopped thinking because <laughs> I'm like, I don't want to do this anymore. Do I want to keep thinking and perpetuate the suffering or do I want to let that go and find peace now? And so what happened was that I essentially trained myself to use any sort of psychological and emotional pain as a tool to help me become present and aware that I am thinking. And what happens is I immediately get realigned into the present moment. And that is where the peace is. And that's how I live my day. So that's how I maintain a meditative state by just remembering this, this one thing. And I've had so like just hundreds of people reach out to me doing that practice alone. And their entire life has changed just because they remember that single concept. So that would literally mean like, let's say I, the last episode I did for this podcast was on self-doubt. That's something I struggle with a lot. And of course, a lot of my beliefs and conditionings and so forth, like many listeners, I'm sure you have those moments where you go, oh, I can't do this. I'm not good enough. I'm never going to be successful. All those moments where that comes up, are you saying that we should then pause and say, to ourselves, for example, thinking is the root cause of all suffering. Stop doing that. Yeah, I mean, that's a way to do it. There's a, a ton of other questions you can do too, but that's essentially what it is. Just becoming aware of the fact that you are thinking and that that is the root cause of all the suffering. It's not really the content that matters. If you say, I'm not good enough. I don't think I can do this. I have imposter syndrome. There's so many other people better than me. Those are all forms of thinking, but it's still thinking. And so it makes it very, very easy and simple to let go of all of that when you essentially categorize all of that as thinking. Mm. So you don't have to deal with, okay, let me go back into my past and find out where this self-doubt comes from. Like you can do that, but it's not necessary to alleviate the suffering. I think those are great tools to become self-aware, but you don't have to go through that whole entire process to, to delineate and analyze every single past experience that you've had to let go of it. You could just realize that you're thinking, period. And that if you let go of that, that root, essentially, all of the branches of the self-doubt, the imposter syndrome, uh, the anxiety, the fear, all of that goes. It's like just ripping, you know, the, pulling the rug out from, from all of that stuff uh, and seeing it all as, as the same thing. Yeah. I want to mention a quote that 
you have in your book, and I think this is something for everyone to reflect on really, but you say thought is not reality, yet it is through thought that our realities are created. And I think you're really, you're speaking to that now. It's like this idea that it is always our perception and our interpretation of what is going on that is going to make this thinking and to lead to our suffering and so that's exactly it and so thinking essentially creates that perception thinking creates the duality of life saying this is right this is wrong this is good this is bad thinking creates conditions from which we say i only be happy when this happens and if you remove that thinking all that's left is peace love and joy and a question you can ask yourself to break yourself out of this is what emotion do you feel when you're not thinking? I mean, I know for me, I'd say in those rare moments <laughs> that I'm not thinking, or maybe those that little gap between my succession of thoughts, I feel lighter. I feel more peaceful, perhaps less worried, less stressed. Mm. That's exactly it. And so that is our true essence that is our natural state we can be conditioned out of that and we just have these repetitive thinking patterns going on but when we let all of that go we fall back onto exactly what you just said which is peace love joy no worries no anxieties and that's what happens when we remember this mm -hmm. remember our true essence going back to who we really are instead of what we think we are um but that's, that's really the journey and what happened and why it's so powerful because it's so, so simple. And I always say, this is what Sydney Banks said, um, but, but the truth is always simple. Anything that's complex is, is just further and further away from the truth. The truth is always, always simple. Mm. That's something to reflect on for sure. Can you just give a quick recap of what you said before as the distinction between thinking and thoughts and then say why? you think that we should let go of the thinking, but not the thoughts. Yeah. So this, this is one of my favorite topics, uh, because I, it seems so counterintuitive almost, and we never really think about the difference. And we, I didn't even know there was a difference before that. And as I, I actually came up with, or not really came up with it, it just, I would say downloaded, or it just, the epiphany happened where there was, I realized there was a distinction. So thoughts are the energetic mental raw materials in which they come from the universe. We don't really control that. They're inherently neutral and it's just information. That's all it is. For example, we could say my plant is green. That is information. We're having this Zoom meeting. That's information. Thinking is, I think maybe this zoom meeting isn't going great maybe i'm not saying the, the right thing in this zoom meeting so that that is thinking and that is the manual act of thinking about our thoughts and that is what causes suffering <clears throat> so thinking essentially makes us feel very heavy it makes us stressed it makes us worried it makes us overanalyze overthink comes from <laughs> overthinking comes from that so Naturally. that's what I would say. Yeah, exactly. So that's what I would say is the distinction between thoughts and thinking. Um, thinking, if you want to make it more into a spiritual sense, uh, thinking comes from the ego and is rooted in fear. Thoughts come from the universe. They are light. They are, uh, I would say, they come from your higher self. 
it's coming from intuition, the universe. And that is where peace, love, and joy really comes from. It's, it's, it's even in a state of no thought even. So when I say, you know, if you let go of thinking, sometimes you don't even have to have thoughts to, to experience that peace. So it can be an absence of it as well. Mm, beautiful. Let me see. Maybe some people listening are thinking this. I know one thing that just popped up for me there. Maybe I'm playing a bit of devil's advocate here, but yeah. I'm thinking a lot of my thoughts are bloody horrendous or meaningless or just nonsense. And I'm thinking, how on earth is that my intuition? How am I downloading something from the universe right now when I'm thinking about, I don't know, what I want to have dinner tonight and that just popped up into my head? Or is that thinking? Maybe I'm getting confused now. That's, that's a great <laughs> that's question. That, that essentially is thinking. And there's something else that I didn't quite delineate in the book, uh, just because I wanted to keep it simple and I didn't think of it yet. But there is something called conditioned thinking. Yes. And that is habitual thinking patterns that we really aren't even conscious of. But they essentially what started that pattern was thinking itself. So for example, if something happened in the past and we were growing up and we got yelled at by our parents for expressing ourselves and they say, quiet down or stop being like this, stop being weird. What we did was our parents yelled at us perfectly. That's just a thought, right? Mom or dad is yelling. That's a thought. Uh, that's inherently neutral. But when we internalize that and we start to think and we say, oh, they're yelling at me because I'm not good enough. That created that thinking. And that's what causes us to suffer. And because of that, we start to think those thoughts over and over and over again, and we start to be conditioned in that way. And so when we grow up, we almost don't even know that that's our thinking. I would say anything that causes us negative emotions and, and psychological suffering comes from the form of thinking. And it's not until, and it's only when we become conscious of that, that we can actually let it go. And your uh, trivial, almost like arbitrary example of like, what am I going to have for dinner? Or like, what am I going to do tomorrow? Like a, a great way to look at those things is, Thinking is always rooted in the past or in the future, which don't exist. Your intuition is always rooted in the present moment. And that's where love is. And so your intuition will only ever and can only ever speak to you in the present moment. It's it tells you things like you are loved. It tells you that you are enough right now. It tells you to let go of thinking. It tells you to try this thing right now. It's really an invitation to whatever is right in front of you. But as soon as we start to say, oh, what about tomorrow? Or like, what about this person? Or I can't believe I said that. Or I I'm really nervous about this thing coming up. Notice those patterns that it's in the future or in the past. It's either shame about the past or anxiety about the future. Mm -hmm. And so that's how you can tell that there's thinking going on. And intuition is always in the present. And it says, try this. Or what about this? Or and it, it's it can only ever speak to you to us right now in this moment. Well, let's come back to intuition, but um, I'm just going to grow you a little bit more. <laughs> no, one of the things of that's coming up for me here is, but why is thinking bad? I need to think surely because how am I going to make my business functional? How am I going to make sure I don't have you know I pay my rent on time and my house isn't taken away from me or I'm kicked out? All of those things. Surely there is a necessary function that thinking plays. So if you're saying it's the root cause of all suffering, where is there space to think that thinking could be useful? Yeah, great question. So going back to what we were saying before, those things that you're having to worry about are in the future. Those aren't what you have to do right now in this moment. And when we let go of a thinking, it's not that we're not having thoughts you kind of have to have thoughts and it's inevitable to have thoughts. So 
what we want to do in this case when we let go of thinking is to follow our intuition. And our intuition will always tell us what we need to do right now. When, for example, um, I think I brought this example up in the book too, of if we are truly in the pursuit of our highest selves and our best selves, who are we being in that moment and how are we actually getting to that state? Um, and what I started to realize was I asked myself this question. Um, when you are your best, when you're your happiest, most joyful, and you feel most abundant in your life, what thoughts are going on in your head? And if you really think about that, which would break the cycle of thinking, you start to realize that you are your best when you're not thinking. When you're happiest in your life, there really wasn't the presence of thinking. <clears throat> and this is also true for athletes. And there's like science that is kind of proving this nowadays, which they call this state flow. And flow is when there really is no thinking going on and we are unencumbered by whatever is happening in the mind and we're just being. That is when we are our truest selves, when there is no filter, no, uh, I would say no impediment to allowing the flow of thoughts in the universe to come right through us in this moment. So if you think about professional or Olympic athletes, they're not thinking when they're performing. They're not thinking in their whole entire state of uh, doing their, their routine. And we can be the exact same way too. And if you notice, the, the athletes that don't do well, they were just in their heads and they know that. They got anxious, they got worried, they got nervous, they were worrying too much about what their routine was like if they memorized it enough. And you notice, and then you can see too, uh, it's always so funny when reporters ask like, oh my God, like you just won the gold medal. Like what, like what were you thinking? Like what was going on in your mind? It's like, there, there was nothing going on. <laughs> And that's how we can operate in this world. We operate our best when we're not thinking. And when we really open ourselves up to the infinite possibilities that are in this moment, when we stop thinking, that's what happens. When we're thinking, it's very convergent. We think, like, there's only one way to get this done. And I have to do this. Which is not true. Like, is there only one way to pay your bill? Is it that you have to burn yourself out in order to make that happen? Do you really have to sacrifice between your joy and having money? Is that really true? Uh, and so once we let some of that thinking go, you can start to access something much greater than your own mind. Our thinking can only reference our past to try to predict the future, which creates anxiety. If you want to change your life, you have to access something beyond your thinking, which means we have to let go of it and trust in something higher, which is intuition, thoughts, new ideas, uh, and, and be open to those things. So it is in those moments that we follow that. And that's how we can operate our daily lives from, uh, which is in that state of, I would say, abundance, joy, love, peace. And you can even ask yourself a question. What do you think abundance is attracted more to? <laughs> People who are worried, anxious, uh, constantly worrying about the future, uh, just worried about what other people are thinking all the time, rooted in fear, or someone who is open to possibilities, someone who is 
who has let go of their thinking and is trusting something greater. Well, I like that you mention the possibilities of love and joy and peace, and that comes in presence and in those moments of non-thinking. Because I think a lot of even what I see on Instagram and elsewhere is that we should counteract our negative thinking with positive thinking. And if you've been mm. following that, then of course it's like, well, what is toxic positivity? That's just saying, yeah. well, you know, I'm just going to ignore the bad stuff in my life and I'm going to avoid suffering by not acknowledging it essentially. And by saying that things are okay. So I like that you make that distinction. And I think yeah. I do fully agree that the, uh, those non-thinking moments as s small as they can be, uh, are precious. But on that note, I think we've, we've got the gist that thinking, uh, causes some problems, let's say, <laughs> how can we stop doing it? Because this is so hard. And especially when we're feeling anxious and worried and stressed and burnt out and overwhelmed and all of that energy, it goes so high. And then of course we experience that thing of the rushing thoughts that are coming in and the thinking that goes again and again and again and again, it goes so fast and it's very, very hard for people to zoom out from that. Never mind, stop thinking entirely. That seems like something that's reserved for, I don't know, the monks that live next door to me in this monastery over here. So how can we stop thinking in a way that is accessible let's say for beginners here yeah so we lightly touched on this before too and it comes back to realizing that it is the root cause of suffering once you realize that i mean we have to make an awareness for it um and once you realize that it is the root cause of your suffering you have to make a decision do you want to continue to suffer or not it's as simple as that and some people might not be ready in, in full honesty. And that's okay too. Sometimes mm -hmm. we have to, it's not like suffering is bad too. Um, I, I, think, I think sometimes uh, it, it may be looked at as something negative, which it can be, um, but there's nothing good or bad in this world. It's just, what do you actually want to do right now? What is your intuition telling you? Is it to tell you to stop thinking and to follow something else to finally end that suffering? Or is it to, well, maybe you're not ready to let go yet. And maybe you need to feel a little bit more pain before you finally uh, learn what you need to essentially in this moment. Like, what is it teaching you? And I, that's why I say like, I use every single moment of psychological or emotional pain as an opportunity to deepen my own awareness. It happens every single day. It, it, it's almost inevitable. But without that pain, there is no prompting to become aware again. And so without that, I would just plateau and just inevitably die. <laughs> but because there's these promptings of pain and, and new ways for me to discover a deeper experience of life, of peace, love, and joy, then I can dive into that and, and use that as almost like a gateway, so to speak, to experiencing that deeper part of myself that I didn't know was, was, was there. So I would say one is to realize that thinking is the root cause of suffering and that you don't need to think, even though we feel like we do. Immediately after that, you can ask yourself these questions. Is what I'm thinking serving me? Is it useful? And what's the cost of me continuing to think this way? 
we need some time to be able to ruminate on those things and to really be honest. And the answer might be, yes, I think it's still useful and I'll just continue to suffer and that's okay. There's nothing wrong with that. Not here to say, no, you have to, you have to alleviate all your suffering right now. That doesn't make any sense. Uh, we need that sometimes. But most of the time, if you're ready, then you, know, you, you don't want to suffer anymore and you can let go of it. And at that point, after you, you say, yes, I'm ready to let that go, then you switch to trusting your intuition and following it. You always intuitively know what you need to do. And your question before was, how do, I, how do we operate in life when we don't think? The truth is you always know what to do. Deep down, you always know what decision you need to make is. For example, if we want to lose weight, we know what to do. We need to move our bodies. We need to burn more calories than we consume. And we need to just uh, eat healthier foods. It's not rocket science. Anything in life is as simple as that. We always know what we need to do, but we're just afraid to do it. And that's what clouds us. And where, where does that fear come from? It comes from our thinking. So follow that still small voice, that gut feeling. You always know what you need to do. And if you don't, and if you truly don't know what to do, be open to what could happen. Um, and if you don't know what to do, just know that you can always know what you need to know in that moment. It's just when we sit there long enough, some idea always pops up, right? In, in, in your rock bottom moment, I'm sure you ceased all thinking because we gave up and that was it. And some idea popped into your mind out of nowhere. That's your intuition. That is non-thinking. That is thought essentially in, in its essence. And that's what we want to follow. That thought allowed you to get out of that rock bottom state. And, and help you grow as a person. And if you look back on your life, every single one of your moments that you were at the lowest low, there was some sort of intuition that you followed in that moment. It wasn't logical. It didn't make sense. You didn't analyze what was going to happen because you let go of the past. You let go of the future. You didn't care anymore. <laughs> and it's in that moment that you followed intuition. And that is what happened for you to rise out of the ashes, so to speak. Uh, but that's really what can happen in every single moment. And we don't have to wait until those rock bottom moments to be able to listen to that. Intuition is rooted in love and abundance. And so the more that you listen to that, the more abundance and love that you attract. That's just how it works. Um, and I can see that when, like any practice of anything, it gets easier over time. So let's say, as we were speaking before, exactly. you said, I'm listening to my intuition. I wake up and in the morning, I will write down something that comes to me as a form of inspiration that you share with your community online. What about for the people who don't know what this is or what it feels like, you know, and how do they even, let's say I'm, I'm hypothesizing here, but how do we know that something is a gut instinct and it is coming from a, an intuition that is of this abundance and joyful character that we should be listening to and it's not just preconditioned bias potentially that i've had limiting beliefs that are still very present in my subconscious that i don't deal with so instead i go mm, maybe my intuition is telling me that i shouldn't quit my job and i shouldn't start writing that book let's say but uh 
they don't know whether that's just the fact that they want to keep themselves small because they've been told not to do that or that they should follow the well-worn path or you see what I'm getting at I think there's going to be a lot of confusion as to what character intuition has and how to know whether that is intuition or something else yeah so that comes back to conditioned thinking or just thinking and thought so the way that I kind of approach it now is, well, what does that thought feel like? And what does the thinking feel like? When you think about leaving your job, is that light or is it heavy? When you think about something else, like uh, being able to write the book, is that is that something that I would say expands you energetically or does it feel very heavy? That's a very simple shorthand way to know if something's intuition or thinking. Um, another way to be able to do that, which is a little bit, I guess, more tangible for people who aren't as in tune with how they feel, is to ask themselves, if you didn't care about any external influences, right? So if we silenced all other people's opinions, advice, judgments and if you had no fear what do you intuitively feel like you want to do and that removes most of if not all the noise of thinking because that's all oh, like this other person says this that removes all the conditioning the biases the beliefs that aren't truly yours and it's in that moment when you say if i had no fear if i didn't care about what anyone else thought and if i silenced everyone else's opinions and come back to me right now. What do I want? What do I feel is most aligned with me in this moment? You, you'll always know what to do. It's black and white when you make it that, that clear. And I always say the quality of your questions determines the quality of the answer. Yes, so, I loved this. I remember that was the part I wanted to actually ask you on because you said about asking the right questions and we will naturally have a thought that comes to us. Yep. That's exactly it. Like questions really are when you, when we ask open-ended questions that are more aligned with our intuition, that is the gateway to the divine every single time. And it's because of this notion that an object in motion will stay in motion unless acted upon by an external force. Our thinking will continue to be in motion constantly in that vicious cycle until it is acted upon by an external force. Thankfully, we have consciousness and we can act as that external force upon ourselves to break that pattern and that motion of thinking by asking a question. That's really the only way to do it. So whenever we're stuck in this cycle, always ask a question that opens up the possibilities and realigns you with your intuition. And, and the example was what I asked before, which was if I silence all the noise, everyone else's thought, uh, you know, opinions and advice and I had no fear what do I feel like is most aligned with me to do right now that's how you break out of that pattern and and you start to see it for what it is and then come back to to this moment that's what I would say is is a way that you can begin to distinguish intuition between thinking and following that really and the way it's often described is as a feeling or as a knowing so the character that it has 
you might even feel the energy being a bit lower in your body. You know, the way we talk about it being a gut instinct, it's no surprise it's called that because it often is in our gut. When obviously if we're thinking and we know and we actually close our eyes and feel where the, what's going on, all of our energy will be in our head, of course, or at least from our chest upwards, the top half of our body. There's something lower, there's something that's grounding about the gut instinct and the intuition. I think that's why a lot of people will say, get outside in nature, get connected to earth, put your bare feet on the floor in the grass and close your eyes and breathe into the lower part of your belly because all of this is connecting you to that part of your body, which will then be away from your mind and open you up physically to be able to open yourself up energetically as well. Yeah, exactly. Let's move on to the final fast few questions now. This first question I always ask my guests and I've never really explained why, but I'll tell you the question first and then I will explain why and then repeat it. So the question that I ask is, is there something that you used to believe that you no longer believe? And the reason why I ask this and why it's fitting to explain here is because a lot of the time, we think, topic of the day, that our opinions and our beliefs and so on are somewhat fixed. We have this idea that they are part of us. They're part of our identity. And that's why when someone says something, let's even look at like the political sphere and the debates that happen. Politicians are suggesting ways in which they can change the healthcare system or the education system. But what happens is that when you become so attached to the thought, that idea, the belief and so on, and you see that as being a part of yourself, your ego then feels very criticized and very attacked when somebody isn't in agreement with you. So one of the reasons why I ask this question about beliefs is to really exemplify that point, which is that there will always be movement in your thoughts too, which are shaped by the experiences that you have in your life. And every single person that I answer this, ask this question to in these interviews will acknowledge that they had a certain way of thinking that has completely changed based on the experiences that they have had. So I wanted to keep that in mind. And I also want people listening to this question and also this whole interview with Joseph, which is that we can take some distance from what goes on in our minds and we would live much happier and joyful lives as a result of that as well. I'll repeat one more time. I don't know what you think about that, Joseph. Feel free to add your comments, but I'll ask you again. Is there something that you used to believe that you no longer believe? Yeah, almost everything. Um, so I, I love the question just because it does illuminate, I, I would say, how transient we are as humans and especially our, our thoughts in our minds. Um, when you were talking about attachment to the thought and how that really causes us to form an ego and, of course, that causes suffering, that attachment comes from thinking. Um, and that's how that attachment is created. It's thinking about the thoughts. And then the more that we think about the thoughts, the stronger that gets uh, when we start to break that pattern of thinking and then let go of it, then the thought is free and we no longer have to hold on to that belief. And we no longer have to feel like we have to defend ourselves anymore. And so we don't feel attacked anymore. We don't really feel criticized. We don't really feel all of those things if we're not attaching ourselves to those thoughts and, and thinking about them. Uh, probably the biggest thing for me that I used to believe was that I had to think in order to 
make it through life. That was probably my biggest attachment. And once I let that go, I realized that there was so much more that I could experience in my life in terms of peace, love, and joy and abundance. When I let go of what I'm thinking, I have full access to everything and anything that is possible in this moment. But if I keep thinking, then I can only ever, I'm only ever confined to, to what I know in the past and then try to predict that into the future, which is very, very finite and small. Um, so I, I really do love that question. Hmm. Um, and I think it really shines a light on if we really don't attach ourselves to any beliefs that we currently have and really start to question the beliefs, uh, then we can start to free ourselves from always feeling like we're offended by something. And that process is just the process of self-inquiry by asking yourself the question, do you really believe this? Do you really believe that uh, your parents, you know, didn't raise you in the best way? Or do you really believe that the other political party is wrong completely? Um, and it's like starting to question those things that we have. And more importantly for me is not to just change the beliefs that we have, but prevent new ones from forming and to catch ourselves when we are. And that only comes through thinking. And if we let go of all our thinking, then we let go of a lot of these beliefs that we're holding on to. So yeah. that's really the root of everything. Um, that's what I wanted to highlight. Beautiful. Love it. The second question I wanted to ask is, what is one quote or affirmation that resonates with you that you would like to share? Yeah, thinking is the root cause of all suffering. Yeah, I think that's <laughs> and, the key takeaway, isn't it? <laughs> yep, that's it. And follow your intuition right after that. Beautiful. Those two things will serve anyone immensely and give them all the peace, love, and joy that they've been looking for. Lovely. And lastly, what is one piece of advice that you would give somebody who is embarking on this journey of becoming more aware of their thoughts and less controlled by them, hopefully? <laughs> you are the only person who can know what you truly desire in life. No one else can tell you, not your parents, not your friends, even though they say they know what's best for you, they don't. Everyone always knows what other people should do, but never know what they should do themselves. So you are the only person that can truly know what you desire. And so trust yourself on that. Trust your intuition, even though it's scary to do that. Um, but the only reason why it's so scary is because it's the unknown. We don't know what's going to happen when we trust our intuition. But what that means is that if we're in the known, it's fixed possibilities. We can only ever predict what can happen in the future based on the past. But if you want different possibilities, we have to go into the unknown. That's the only way that's going to happen. So the unknown is where all of that exists. That's where love is. And the unknown, interestingly enough, is where God resides, which is in the present moment. And that is when we can actually access something way, way, way more than us and be able to experience new thoughts, new ideas, uh, a, a deeper sense of all of those positive emotions that we really want to feel. Hmm. Thank you very much, Joseph, for all of that. I loved the interview and I'm also in full agreement with this idea that we really need to get a handle on what's going on in our minds. And that is really the key towards 
our development, our joy, our satisfaction in life. And sometimes we seek to make things more complicated than they actually need to be. And sometimes, as you said before, truth can be simple. It doesn't need to be over-intellectualized. And that should be a gift. Let's make something a little bit easier for once, right? Yeah, exactly. (laughs) Yeah. Thank you so much for your time today. Thank you so much, Shannon. It was such a joy to be here. And thank you to those of you who are listening. I hope this episode resonated with you, just like Joseph said, which is that you find yourself in what somebody else is saying and in somebody else's story. If you did love this podcast, please share it with somebody else and give me a quick star rating or review wherever you're listening to this. And in the meantime, have a wonderful week. Take care. Bye-bye. Thank you.